Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.FM, a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media, Inc., heard Sunday at 4 p.m. and Thursday at 9 a.m. Podcasts of these shows are available on WMCK.FM slash CRR, iTunes, Google, iHeart, Spotify, and Spreaker. So if you miss any of these shows, you can go to any of those apps and uh, download the show and be informed about consumer issues because that's what we do here on the show, inform people of consumer issues. So if you have any ideas of any products or services you would like to hear on the show, you can uh, email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at consumerreviewreport and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if you have any questions or comments about anything you've heard on the show, about any of the products or services you hear on the show, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on uh, Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. All right, so... Today, I thought we would talk cars. I am not a motorhead. I'm not into cars. But when I see something posted by Consumer Report Magazine or any anything that's interesting that I think that the car people out there in the audience would be interested in, then I'm going to do a show on it. So that's uh, how I decide. Because I let them do the talking for me, since I'm not really, you know, uh, that informed about cars as far as how they run. And I know how to drive one, of course, and but that's even, you know, suspect, <laughs> according to some of the drivers on the road, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I haven't had an accident in quite a long time, and knock on wood, hopefully that, that doesn't occur as anytime soon but anyways uh, as far as the running of cars and how to rate cars uh, you know I I don't know anything about that so we're going to have Consumer Report magazine do the talking on that when we air audio from their video they posted our favorite cars and the ones that disappointed us in 2020 and it's the short list Um, so this was posted by Consumer Reports And then we'll also hear audio from a video that was posted by autoguide.com and it's entitled Top 10 Most Reliable Cars of 2020. So before we do that though, let's go ahead and get into any scam alerts. Now as you know, by listening to the news, the vaccines are going to be coming around and people are going to start getting their vaccines but there are three ways to avoid COVID-19 vaccine scams. Yes even there's a scam for the vaccines. So here's the three ways to avoid COVID-19 vaccine scams while vaccination details are getting worked out. Here's what you can be sure of. You can't pay to put your name on a list to get the vaccine. That's a scam. You can't pay to get early access to the vaccine. That's a scam. Nobody legit will call about the vaccine and ask for your social security, bank account, or credit card number. That's a scam. So, ignore any vaccine offers that say different or ask for personal or financial information. So, if you want to learn more at... You go to ftc.gov slash coronavirus slash scams. Also, another website is consumerresources.org slash beware coronavirus scams. All right. So again, you can't pay to put your name on a list to get the vaccine. You can't pay to get early access to the vaccine. And nobody legit will call about the vaccine and ask for your social security bank account, or credit card number. All of those would be a scam. All right, so 
inform yourselves of the coronavirus vaccine scams and don't get caught. All right. Now, this scam has to do with cars, so I thought it was pretty interesting since our subject today will be about cars. So let's uh, get into that. This was posted by the Federal Trade Commission, and it was written by Ari Lazarus, Consumer Education Specialist at the FTC. And here's what they say. We just heard from more companies that scammers are using their names to trick people into a car wrap scam. This time, scammers are saying they're Marlboro or Perel, but they're not really. The gist of the scam is this. Scammers send emails and post to social media and job boards with messages like, Get paid to drive. They offer to pay you up to $700 a week if you'll drive around with your car or truck or bike wrapped to advertise a well-known product but they're not really affiliated with the brand. They just want your money. If you message them back, they'll send you a check to deposit into your bank account, and then they'll say to use some of that money to pay their decal agent to put the ads on your car. They'll tell you to pay by money order, Walmart money services, or by making a cash deposit directly into the decal agent's bank account all ways that are hard to cancel or get your money back. So what's really going on? Well, the decal agent is really the scammer, and that check you just deposited, that was fake, which means the money you sent is coming out of your own pocket. So if you deposited a $1,500 check and sent $500 to the decal agent, you're out $500 of your own money, and you don't get to keep that $1,000 either. Another thing, an FTC analysis published earlier this year showed that fake check scams hit 20- and 30-year-olds hard in the wallet. People reported a median loss in 2019 of $1,988. Okay, so this is another income scam, but... They're inviting you to wrap your vehicle uh, in an advertisement and then get paid for it, but they're not going to really pay you for it. They just want to get your money. So if you spot a scam like this, uh, FTC would love to hear about it. So you can report it at reportfraud.ftc.gov. All right. If it sounds too good to be true, It probably is, and especially if they're telling you to send money for income that you're supposed to be getting, then that's really bad because if it's a legitimate job, they're not going to ask you to pay them. All right? Okay, so that takes care of our car wrap scam. So let's get to the audio from the video posted from Consumer Report Magazine titled Our Favorite Cars and the Ones That Disappointed Us in 2020. So let's find out what they have to say. Our picks for the best and worst cars we tested in 2020. Next on Talking Cars. Hi and welcome to Talking Cars. I'm Jennifer Stockberger. I'm Mike Quincy. And I'm Mike Monticello. So here we are. We find ourselves at the close of 2020, the beginning of 2021. And it was so great to have a year that was just kind of run of the mill, no stress. Nothing Where have you been? What the? I took this paper like, who are we kidding? <laughs> Everything changed in 2020. Everything. Oh so one constant for, and it was like a savior for me was that we were able to continue testing cars. So we we did it in some different ways, for sure, but we have a year full of tested cars, much like we would in any other year. And it is kind of cool. Um, even I struggle to like, what cars were in this year, to go back and say, um, what did we test? What did we love? What did we not love? So we wanted to kind of do a little bit of wrap up 
what struck you as your favorites, as your not so favorite 2020 outside of COVID and all the other changes? Sticking to cars, Mike Monticello, did you have something, a car that struck you as the best for 2020? Jennifer Stockburger. I guess we're using full names. <laughs> I Actually, do. I, I guess often you're, use you're doing. Well, you have to when you have two mics on the show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. You, you talk mm-hmm. about the changes, and you know, we were still able to test, and that we did it in slightly different ways. You know, we had to be much more careful about how we, you know, went to the test track, and so there was a lot more doing things on your own. But we still were able to get all this this testing in. As far as for me. What the vehicle I enjoyed most that we tested this year, this is going to sound weird, but was actually the Ram 1500 turbo diesel. <laughs> now, I actually bought that truck. You know, how, uh, for those of you that don't, uh, you know, don't watch the podcast all the time, we buy all of our test vehicles anonymously. And so that was a truck that, you know, that I bought for the program. And when I pulled out of the dealer, keep in mind, we had already tested the Chevrolet Silverado 1500 with its new turbo diesel, right? So when I pulled out of the dealer, I'm driving back to the track uh, and I was like, yep, this is the one. Because it, its engine, its turbo diesel engine is just as good as the uh, Silverado's turbo diesel, but so much about the Ram is is better than any other full-size pickup. You know, I'm, I'm immediately driving and I'm like, it's got the the great, you know, Ram interior, the, the, mater- the materials inside are better. The presentation of the materials are better. It has great controls, very easy to use. Um, and then it has this, you know, the, by far the best uh, ride of any full-size pickup, thanks to its coil spring rear suspension. And it still gets the same excellent fuel economy. It actually matches the Silverado turbo diesel's engine for fuel economy, which is one of the big things with these, these half-ton turbo diesels. They get really good fuel economy. Um, so for me, that was, and also just, you know, the turbo diesel, for those of you that haven't driven a turbo diesel, especially these trucks, the power is there immediately. It's all about low end torque. Or it's all about what we call pulling power. And this has it in spades. And it also, so it has that immediate power off the line, but a turbo diesel in general has this kind of relaxed character that I really enjoy, maybe because I'm kind of a Shocker, high-strung individual. <laughs> no. When I, I know, breaking news. Uh, when I get in a turbo diesel, it just calms me down. Quincy, you were going to say something. No, I was going to say that I, I loved the way you introed the story because there's definitely been cars, test cars in our past, that it's like within five minutes of driving it, you, you, you just know. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is there's something special about this vehicle. Yeah. And I was so glad the way that you – that you said that because that definitely has happened to me in, in other in other uh, in other cars that we've tested. It's like yeah. love at first sight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's not. funny. How, yeah, or not. And so, in speaking of or not, uh, in terms <laughs> of the car that was, I, I would say uh, not. I don't know if it was necessarily my least favorite, but it was the car that I was uh, let down by the most because it, it would be easy to say you know, to, to put on your list. And, and if either of you have these, I'm not picking on you, but it would be easy to put on something like the the Hyundai Venue or, you know, maybe the Chevrolet Trailblazer, which are, you know, kind of noisy little, uh, slightly rough riding cars. They just aren't that super fun to drive. But for me, I was most underwhelmed by the Volkswagen Passat. Now, this wasn't a complete redesign. It was more of a update. But the car for me is just uh, overwhel- underwhelming in so many ways. I had it for a weekend not that long ago. And, you know, you're, you're driving and you keep getting out of it thinking it's a Jetta. And I think that it's almost <laughs> yeah. of- it's almost offensive to say that to the poor Jetta. Um, because, you know, the, when you get in this car and you take off, uh, it's got this super abrupt throttle, which is really annoying. And it just it takes a lot of time to get used to. The, this turbo four-cylinder works pretty well. It has good power. Uh, but, um, you know, and, it, but it only gets like its fuel economy is, is below most of the midsize competitors. And when you think about, uh, it's handling, we, it's, a, this is a German car, right? But it has this overly light steering and it's just kind of dull through corners. We're, we expect, uh, German cars to have that German tautness to it. And this car doesn't have that. And then the interior it's kind of low rent, you know, it's, it's kind of very austere in there. And you look at the other midsize competitors, a lot of them have really upped their game, right? There's lots of padded surfaces all over the place. 
And other than a slightly padded upper dashboard, the rest of the dashboard is all hard plastic. If you look at the door panels, just black material everywhere and a lot of hard materials. And you just kind of come away not feeling that great about it. You know, we just talked about uh, Mike Quincy on a recent podcast about where our cars made and does it matter where they're made? Well, in this case, it actually, it doesn't matter where it's made, but the, the American Passat, the American market Passat is different than the European Passat. It actually is a less sophisticated kind of cheaper um, car than what they get over there. So for me, I kind of came away, you know, the Passat used to be a car that you'd really, you know, it's, it's kind of like a lower you know, less expensive BMW, you know, not quite to that sporting level, but that kind of quality German feel. And this one is kind of a letdown for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. What I was thinking when you said the diesels too, when my son was young, um, he used to say, you know, three or four, he'd say, mom, that's a Lala truck. And I'd say, what are you talking about? A la la truck. And he'd say, because it goes la 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 <laughs> And when you were saying that, because they don't do that anymore. Those right. turbo diesels are so quiet and yeah. comfortable. And if you didn't know you were in a truck, you might not know you're in a truck. So what about you, Mike Quincy? I have to say your full name. Mike Quincy, what were your mics. impressions for 2020? Um, well, uh, for me, it, it wasn't love at first sight. Um <laughs> Uh, and I have an SUV and a car on my list, but I'm going with the car. And that car is the Cadillac CT5. Now, I, I find the CT5 incredibly good looking. I think it's stylish. It's really quiet inside. Um, great. It's a great road tripper. It has a nice ride and handling. Great seats. Standard forward collision warning and automatic emergency braking. Uh, and and I, I always seem to, to want to sign out this car as, as often as possible. And, and, it, and it doesn't get all of the, you know, the, the press doesn't get all the attention of like the BMW 3 Series and whatnot. Um, and, and I realized like my, my pick is kind of strange on a, on a few levels. I mean, I never thought a Cadillac sedan um, would ever be tops on my list. I mean, they were either too big and bloated or they had diabolical controls. Uh, you know, Cadillacs to me were always like kind of synonymous with, with the old, you know, old man with gray hair. And yes, I've got gray hair, but I mean, listen, you know, Jen, you and Mike, I mean, we're, we're, we're not as young as we used to be, but we still think we're young, right? Speak for yourself, Mike. I'm 25. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, I wear my gray proudly. What can I tell you? Um, so, so, so to me, the, the CT5 was kind of, I just kept, I kept looking at the list of the cars we, we picked and I kept coming back to that. Now, you know, to our audience, you know, if you're in the market for an A4, a th the 3 Series that I mentioned, the, the, the Mercedes-Benz C-Class, I mean, please take a test drive in this CT5. I mean, y you know, our, uh, the, the cars that I mentioned, they actually scored higher in our tests. Uh, this, the CT5's four-cylinder engine, it, it doesn't sound very refined. The rear seat has some limited headroom. So, I mean, I'm not going to gloss over, like, the downsides of this car. And uh, a lot of, most Cadillacs don't rise above um, average in CR's reliability survey. So that's kind of like a sobering reality of the CT5. But, but here's the big problem with the Cadillac. Cadillac sales in general, especially sedans, are way down. I mean, and, and things are getting worse for Cadillac dealers. Um, there's reports that about 150 GM dealers would rather take a buyout than upgrade their stores to sell electric vehicles. So, I mean, the participating Cadillac dealers have to spend like 200 grand to get their stores EV ready. So, like, the, the number of Cadillac outlets is going down, um, you know, to, with, with EVs. And GM is committing a lot of, of their resources in the future to selling electric vehicles. But EVs have lower maintenance costs and, and maintenance and repairs and parts are a big profit center for, for dealers. So a lot of dealers are just saying, uh, you know, I, I think that, that this, is, this, is not gonna, this is not gonna work out for us. So, so it's kind of weird because this is a car that is definitely uh, worth, uh, worth looking at and, and it, probably not many people are gonna buy it, which is kind of a shame. But to your but point, does that mean there's a deal to be had? Uh, well, I, I, I think so because, yeah. um, yeah, GM, like a lot of d domestic manufacturers, you know, ramps up production even before there's there's a big demand. So there's probably a lot on hand. Yeah, good. And what about something that that you didn't love? Was there one that struck you as something that you were disappointed in, below expectations? So for me, the bummer of the year was the Porsche Taycan. Now listen, there's there's no one that is better at tuning a chassis than Porsche. And I get to drive our Taycan on the track 
well, Anatoly the Great shot B-roll for our road test video. And hopefully he's showing it right now. Listen, it, it's it's great. It has incredible handling. It's really good on our trek. Really surprised me. Super fast, zero to 60, like four seconds. Um, but an as-tested price of $128,520? I mean, you, you've, you've got to be kidding me. And that doesn't even include adaptive cruise control. Uh, the Taycan's EPA-rated uh, uh, rated range is about 203 miles. The lowest-rated Tesla model is 348 miles. Yeah, so, that's I mean, a problem. That, that's a yeah, problem. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we noted the charging time is about 11, 11 hours to charge up on a 240-volt uh, connector. The interior ambience, you know, Mike Monticello, that's you know, one, of, one of your things that you look at every, every month. It is nothing special. The controls are a nightmare. I mean, they took a page out of out of Tesla and they make you go through the touchscreen to adjust like the airflow uh, setting for, for the climate system. You have to like pinch and swipe. And my mind just swims thinking about all the other cars that I'd buy for almost 130 grand. So so to me, yeah, and and get touch on EVs almost every podcast, but but to me that was that was kind of like, who's gonna buy this car? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's you know, it's not only not a great car, but when you add the hundred thirty thousand dollars to it, you go, this is it, really not. Yeah. It's 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 nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of w- tended to give them a pass only from the perspective that it actually felt like a Porsche. Like I was really worried that an a, an all electric Porsche wouldn't feel like a Porsche, but you know, it's really quick in a straight line. It handles really well. The ride is surprisingly good. You know, when we get in some Teslas these days and they have this really you know harsh ride. Uh, and the front seats are fantastic. The driving position is great, but yeah, the price is way, way out of range. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Mike. Yeah. So for me in 2020, the, the way I kind of pick my favorites may not be my favorite car. As you know, that's probably the Kia Sorento, even though it's coming up for redesign. <laughs> you all make fun of me, but anyway. I definitely do. <laughs> I do look for the car that surprised and delighted me in a way I wasn't expecting. So again, I talk about, you know, I said, was it below your expectations? I look for the one that was above my expectations. So again, no making fun. The one for me in 2020 was the Nissan Sentra, the Nissan Sentra redesign. Jen, great pick. I love this pick. I looked at our words, you know, you look back for the specs and stuff. And we said, Nissan didn't hold back with this redesign. Metamorphosing. That was the word we used. The dowdy looking also ran sedan into one that is now our top rated compact sedan. That, that's, that word is why Mike Monticello got his master's in journalism. Metamorphosing? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Is that how you say it? Metamorphosing? Metamorphosing? I can't even spell it. I don't know what he's talking about. He's the writer. But yeah. truly, best Sentra we've ever tested. Nimble. You get in it. And to your point about price. $20,000. This is absolutely, again, I put on my mom hat. What a great car for a young driver that they may not feel um, unhappy to be in. Uh, just does some great things. Infotainment, we said, was a model of simplicity. Those things that catch us. Um, standard for collision warning, automatic emergency braking, with pedestrian detection, blind spot warning standard. It, it kind of... It was like Nissan took our checklist and went, yep, and this car kind of checks them all, and you can have it for $20,000. So and, I thought that the, was pretty And cool. the interior is surprisingly nice for yes. that class. And again, coming back to what you do, the, some of that yeah. interior. Fit and finish. finish. Yeah. If, so. if you can treat yourself to a new car, you're not sacrificing anything by getting yeah, a Sentra. Exactly. No, no. And you'll be very happy and very surprised by the Nissan Sentra. So that was my pick for 2020. My not so favorites, and I have kind of a lump in, (laughs) I'm putting these together. And again, it was expectations. I had very high expectations and I was a little bit disappointed with the Toyota SUVs and particularly the hybrid versions of the Toyota SUVs we tested, Um, the Highlander, um, the uh, RAV4, the RAV4 Prime. Um, my opinion, or my, well, I shouldn't say that, not my opinion, my expectation when I get into a, is a hybrid is I want this super quiet, refined um, cabin, um, just all of the things you'd expect from hybrid technology. And it's kind of ironic because the Prius is the 
trailblazer for hybrid technologies and it does all of those things. But something got lost to me in the Toyota hybridization of these SUVs, um, particularly in the noise area. When those engines come in on those SUVs, it is not quiet. And, right. and it's such a dichotomy to the yes. quiet of the hybrid that it, it strikes you. You find yourself when you need power, such as you're on highway travel and you're going quicker, needing to pass. It, it really intrudes into your, your Zen space in that cabin. And, you know, it does everything the hybrid's supposed to do in terms of fuel economy, but in terms of that quiet hybrid coming presence, again, going back to what you might have wanted in 2020 with the craziness, they just didn't tick that box for me. And and as a group, I'm not sure if you guys felt the same way. Right. Interesting. Well, uh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, so you, you take off from a stop, right? And you've got this initial electric power, so the car feels really quiet. But then if you give it any kind of, uh, you know, pressure on the gas pedal or need some real acceleration, suddenly that uh, four cylinder kicks on right. and it's really loud. And their CVTs aren't tuned the way a lot of people are doing them these days. So they, they're more apt to let the engine, uh, you know, this is the continuously variable transmission that they use. Uh, it, it lets the engine wind up higher than you'd like. A lot of CVTs these days are doing a really good job about simulating the way an automatic uh, keeps, you know, shifting and bringing the, the revs back down. When that engine comes on, especially if you really need some real acceleration, man, it gets noisy inside there. Yeah. And Jen, I'm, I'm totally with you and Mike about the noise. I am going to cut the RAV4 hybrid a little bit of slack because for me, the, the, the fuel economy is incredible. The reliability is incredible. It's just the right size for me. The controls are easy. Uh, I found the RAV4 Hybrid and the RAV4 Prime to be kind of like the right sized vehicle for my life. And and aside from kind of the the, the loud engine, you're not you're not dipping into the throttle every two seconds. I mean, right, right. when you're doing it, it's 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 intrusive. But but luckily, it's not a constant thing for me. Um, so I get where you're coming from, but but I am going to cut them. I'm going to cut those cars a little bit of slack. I, actually, I mean, you're making a good point, Mike. You can cut them a lot of slack. These are very high scoring cars, and they mm -hmm. have they you know the fuel economy, the reliability, the standard safety. They have all of that. For me. Again, that's what I was going to say. But for you, was a little that would... maybe I have a little heavier foot on the throttle. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> sounds like it. Go easy on the gas, Jen. <laughs> Speed racer, Jen. <laughs> so anyway, so that was kind of my, you know, again, expectations were one and delivery was a little different, a little different than I thought. So, you know, we bring ourselves, we're, we're coming into 2021. We want obviously so many things to improve, but what would be the thing? you're most looking forward to for any reason, you know, in, in 2021, other, other than some peace, but, and some health, <laughs> but, um, in the car space, Mike Monticello, I'll say your last name again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, peace for sure. I'm looking forward to, um, three things actually. Uh, one, I never drove, uh, the, the new Chevrolet Corvette when we had it at the track. I think I was out recovering from some back surgery. And so, you know, they have this new, uh, mid-engine Corvette now, uh, you know, this is America's sports car. I didn't get to drive it. Uh, it's on schedule still for us to, to purchase one. It's a little, uh, not a hundred percent. We're still going to do that. I was just talking to Gabe Shenhart today about that. Uh, but hopefully we'll, we will still buy it, uh, because I would love to drive that thing. Um, and uh, also, uh, I'm really looking forward to the to the driving the Ford Mustang Mach E because I think we need more um, useful, somewhat practical uh, electric vehicles that are at least somewhat reasonably priced, right? Like you know, so many of them are expensive. This one starts around forty three thousand dollars, and you know, based on a rear drive platform, it, it, it's looking like it might be fun to drive. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And of course, we're going to buy one of those. But what I'm most looking forward to, because Talk apparently I'm a pickup. I know what I you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> okay, say it, Quince. Your Bronco. No. Oh, I, I was I saving that for you. The oh. Ram 1500 TRX. Now, oh, uh, if you, you know, Ford has had this F-150 Raptor, which is like a street legal off-road desert racer pickup for, uh, for years now. 
And uh, they're already on their second generation of that truck. Originally it had a V8 and now it has a twin turbo V6 with 450 horsepower. It has, you know, lifted suspension. It's just this super capable vehicle. And we've had, we've had one at the track and it, man, is it fun to drive. So Ram comes along and just, you know, blows that thing out of the water in a sense with this over the top, again, sort of off-road racer pickup truck with a 702 horsepower supercharged V8. Uh, and it's just, it's ridiculous, but I just want to drive it because I just want to see how over the top this thing is. This is something, you know, Ram says they're claiming zero to 60 in 4.5 seconds. It starts at $70,000, super niche vehicle. We will not buy this for our test fleet. Obviously <laughs> it, it wouldn't make sense, but hopefully we will rent one from Ram just so we can all get a feel for it and do a first drive. So all of you folks can out, out there can find out what we think about how over the top is this thing? Is it ridiculous? But also how fun is it? Because I think my guess is it's going to be just a ton of fun. You better be nice to Gabe. Make sure. I know. I know. <laughs> Darn it. I better, that's, I'll, I'll put that on my, my New Year's resolution. Be nice to Gabe. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Gabe does do this, the final decisions on what we're testing and what we're renting. So Mike has to kind of be nice to Gabe if he wants to tear up. <laughs> Mike Quincy, similar? Different. Well, um, I heard Bronco in there. Kind of. Well, I just, I just assumed. I don't know. I just assumed uh, Mike was going to say Bronco, so I actually left that off my list. Um, so no, for me, next year, uh, and this is kind of, this is neither positive nor negative. I mean, I'm wondering if the car buying public will start buying more EVs. Um, I, I mean, there's nothing that seems to elicit a car discussion more than bringing up EVs, right? I mean, it's all, you know, Tesla, 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 Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Um, <laughs> oh my God. But, but I, I mean, but outside of Tesla, there simply aren't many EV sales. And, and going lockstep in my story about Cadillac and its dealers, EVs account for about 2% of, of vehicle sales. And, and I mean, now it's, it's a reasonable argument considering what we're going through right now. Uh, more of us are working at home these days. And, and possibly even in the future where, you know, businesses are realizing, well, you know, we can, people can work at home and that's fine. Yep. So, so the lack of commuting, I'm thinking, is going to produce fewer EV sales because the whole idea about an EV is it's perfect for people with a, with a short commute. And if they're not commuting, then they're not considering that kind of a vehicle choice. I mean, there's, there's so much of a push going for EVs. There's a ton coming for 2021. Sierra has a great story called uh, Hot New Electric Cars Are Coming Soon. Um, and, and so we're, we're, we're definitely on top of this. And Mike, you brought up the Mach-E. It's making a big splash. Uh, Audi, BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, GM, they're all making public their commitment to more and more EVs. Um, and so a bunch and a bunch of electric pickups are coming. You talk about fast acceleration for pickup trucks. Well, you know, guess what these ones are going to have. But it just doesn't seem to me the buying public is voting with their wallet. So we'll see what the future holds. I mean, listen, many industry ex experts expect a bright future for EVs, and I wouldn't bet against it. I mean, this is way above my pay grade. But right now, the numbers just simply aren't adding up. So while the, the marketing dollars are being spent, the, the, the development dollars are being spent on electric vehicles, is anyone going to buy them? I, I'm not sure of the lack of commute, whether that doesn't actually allow some people to get EVs because they don't have the long commute and they're home and they can recharge. The shorter work, you know, the shorter stop and go of being closer around them. I'm not sure. And I think also that the wallet, it doesn't have to be a return on investment directly. I think a lot of people have the sense of, of getting away from some dependency on fuels and et cetera as well. But, well, yeah, and, and so, a lot of the reports that I read about this, you know, maybe these companies that I mentioned that are being public about their EV approaches are going to be doing more global sales, maybe not as much in the United States, but other parts of the world where they're saying, you know, we're getting rid of internal combustion engines soon, so you got to have something to sell. And maybe that's really going to be the push. But I'm just, I'm waiting for the big wave of U.S. consumers to start buying these vehicles because I'm not seeing it yet. And maybe we'll see what 2021 brings. And yep. Jen, yeah, what, no. what's your crystal ball? So my crystal ball is... Both you already mentioned. So I did have the Bronco. I think myself and many others 
are really looking forward to see if this Bronco lives up to its looks, to its hype, to its off-road ability, to its nostalgia. We talked about that on a previous episode. I think I shared my husband had an old one. I also think the Maki will be cool. I have that old Mustang. Maybe I'm just old, but I love the names. But those those two stick out at me as something I'm really looking forward to. In general, from 2020, I'm really interested, assuming we all get um, where our health is less of a concern. You know, if the vaccines get rolled out and their efficacy is high and all of that, of what from 2020 and all of these changes sticks and what doesn't. What do we go back to and what do we change forever? I've been talking to my parents in their 80s about things from like World War II, which is the closest thing they could come to in terms of comparison to this pandemic and things they did after that, that they never went back to doing, you know, so that type of thing, what will we all change forever? So it'll be really interesting. So I I think we touched on it. I mean, I think fewer people are going to be going to an office because they don't need to. Nope. Nope. That's one of them. And I do think that'll stick. I think it'll stick with some of us. And I know what I miss. What? Hugs. Oh yeah. (laughs) I hope you get more hugs in 2021. Me too. Me too. Me too. I, I do miss that. <laughs> so before we move on and close out the show, I do want to let everybody know and remind those who've already heard that we do have um, a Talking Cars donation program. So just a reminder here that um, Consumer Reports is a nonprofit organization. Um, memberships and donations fund all of what we do, including this show. So if you would love to give, it helps us to continue do, to do what we do. Um, see cr.org slash talking cars for more details. Anything helps to keep us going. I do also want to thank the behind the scenes um, producers of this show, David Abrams, um, Andrew Belise, Toli Shumsky, um, at, we, as you can see, we've all been at home for the majority of this year. And speaking for myself, we are not the most tech savvy crew. <laughs> and there's many, many hours that they have spent t- walking us through cameras <laughs> and microphones, etc. They, they, they put up and with a lot from us, don't they? they? Did. <laughs> and we changed locations and we have Wi-Fi issues, but they are very patient and they have allowed this to continue for 2020 the best that we can do. Um, So we really appreciate that. Um, Thank you all for your engagement, your questions, your videos. Um, Keep them coming in 2021. Um, We hope to expand this audience. Um, We love talking cars. And mainly, we wish the happiest, healthiest, mainly healthiest um, 2021 for all of you. So thanks for watching. All right, so that was from Consumer Report Magazine that was posted on YouTube. It's entitled, Our Favorite Cars and the Ones That Disappointed Us in 2020, the shortlist. All right, so I have some uh, Consumer Report Ask the Experts car questions. Uh, One of them, how critical is it that I rotate my tires regularly? Yes, that's not to say that you're driving around and your tires are rotating. They mean rotating from position to position. (laughs) This common maintenance task, which should typically be done every 5,000 to 8,000 miles, isn't one you should ignore. It may seem minor, but remember, tires are the only thing that comes between your two-ton vehicle and the road. Well-maintained tires will help you travel safely for tens of thousands of miles. Without rotation, tires may not wear evenly. Front tires play a larger role in braking and on front-wheel drive vehicles. They must claw for traction, which means they wear out more quickly. Plus, minute variations or minute variations in suspension and alignment can introduce uneven wear patterns. All of this can impact your car's ride and noise level as well as the tire's longevity. Spreading wear around all four tires ensures even tread depth and grip. Or even tread depth and grip. 
and chores even tread depth and grip. I have to say that a couple times over. All right. A visit to the mechanic is also an opportunity for a pro to inspect your tires for damage and proper inflation. Your owner's manual will have guidance on the rotation pattern. Some are front to rear, others side to side, and frequency. Tire rotations can cost up to $60, but shop around. Some retailers may provide the service free of charge. Here's another Consumer Report magazine Ask the Expert Car question. Why does my car's engine coolant light illuminate on cold winter mornings? If your coolant light glows blue when you start your car, it's a warning that the engine isn't yet up to its optimal running temperature. So don't push the engine hard. If you do that when it's cold, it can reduce your engine's longevity. If a yellow coolant light pops on in the winter, it's probably because your coolant level is low. Coolant contracts in colder temperatures, so even if the car's coolant levels has fallen only a bit below normal, it could still trigger the system's sensor. Add coolant to the reservoir until the fluid reaches the max cold or full cold line. Do this when the engine is cold, Turn, well, turned off for at least three hours is when the engine is totally cold. A red coolant temperature warning light in winter, more typically seen in warmer months, can be critical because it means the car is overheating. This is a serious problem and the engine should be shut off immediately. Have the car towed to a mechanic. Also, never unscrew the cooling system's fill cap when the engine is hot Hot coolant can erupt and cause serious burns. All right, so uh, right now we have another audio to air. It's um, from a video posted by autoguide.com entitled Top 10 Most Reliable Cars of 2020. And then um, we'll get to more uh, Consumer Report magazines Ask the Expert Questions after we hear what autoguide.com has to say about the top 10 most reliable cars of 2020. So let's take a listen. The incredibly picky folks at Consumer Reports have revealed their list of the most reliable cars of 2020. The yearly ranking contains a few surprises, especially the number one car on the list. But before we get to that, let's look at the list as a whole. For starters, there are no American cars on it. In fact, there are no German cars either. There is one Korean vehicle, but the other nine all come from Japan. You're probably not surprised. But maybe you should be, because those Japanese automakers managed to dominate the list without a single Honda or Nissan on it. Let's take a look. Number 10, the Lexus GS. Lexus kicks off the list with its underappreciated GS midsize sedan. The GS is the stalwart of the luxury brand sedan lineup, last getting a full model change back in 2011. Lexus gave it a further facelift in 2015, but as the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The long production run has given Lexus plenty of time to iron out any kinks in the GS. For 2020, the lineup consists of the V6-powered GS350 and the tire-shredding GSF, a slightly underwhelming but also underappreciated performance sedan. Number 9, the Mazda CX-9. With crossovers steamrolling the competition in recent years, it should come as no surprise they make up the bulk of this year's Consumer Reports list. Mazda's handsome CX-9 is the first of six high riders to show up here, slotting in at 9th. We're big fans of the three-row family haulers blend of driving fun and usability, saying, quote, the whole package is overall quite strong in our 2019 Mazda CX-9 review. For 2020, the CX-9 gains slightly more power, a new second row captain's chair option, and additional standard safety features. Number eight, the Toyota 4Runner. One of two old school SUVs on this list, the venerable Toyota 4Runner is a rock climber in the traditional sense. Its body-on-frame construction gives it genuine off-road credentials, plus a strong tow rating to boot. It might not match its car-based competition for on-road manners, but as we said in our 2020 Toyota 4Runner TRD Pro review, quote, if you spend much of your life outdoors, this is the truck to take you there. 
The Forerunner is also a top choice for resale value. And let's be frank, it's just an indestructible go-anywhere machine. Number seven, the Lexus NX. Lexus's compact NX squeezes in next, starting a run of smaller models. The NX showed up on the scene a few years ago, very loosely related to the hyper-popular Toyota RAV4. Like many other crossovers, it comes in either front or all-wheel drive guises. Two engine options are available, a turbo inline four or a hybrid setup, pairing batteries to a 2.5-liter four-cylinder. Normally, small crossovers are touted for being sporty. That's not necessarily the case here. Instead, we call the NX, quote, an impressively quiet and smooth running machine. Number six, the Mazda CX-3. The tiniest crossover in Mazda's lineup is next. The inaugural driver's choice of the subcompact crossover class, the pint-sized CX-3 blends fun and a surprising amount of space. It burst onto the scene in 2016 using a modified version of the Mazda 2 platform. CX-3 buyers can snap it up in front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. That might not sound like a fact worth pointing out, but it is because several of the CX-3's subcompact competitors don't offer all-wheel drive. The car makes use of a 2-liter naturally aspirated engine and 6-speed automatic. Stick to the front-drive version and you can expect as much as 34 miles per gallon. Number 5. The Hyundai Kona The Hyundai Kona bucks the trend of this year's Consumer Reports list by being a brand new model. It's also the only one not from a Japanese automaker. It showed up last year quickly earning critical and commercial success. We even gave it our Autoguide.com Utility Vehicle of the Year Award. Underneath the Kona's skin are the bones of the accent. The subcompact crossover comes in front or all-wheel drive with a 2-liter, 6-speed automatic combo producing just shy of 150 horsepower. There's also an available 175 horsepower 1.6-liter turbo 4, which turns the Kona into an unexpectedly fast car for its class. There's also an electric version. Generally speaking, it's an absolute value and is handily the best-looking model in its class. Number 4, the Lexus GX. The Lexus GX is the leather and wood luxury version of the Toyota 4Runner. That they both place on this list isn't too surprising, but the Lexus finishing a solid four spots higher is. The GX once featured the same big bore 4 liter V6 as its Toyota sibling, however newer models come standard with a 4.6 liter V8. The extra cylinders give the SUV a brawny attitude and, at least as evidence on this list, added reliability. 2020 changes to this long-running model include a huge new grille and some added safety features. Atrocious in the eyes of some, frankly, some of us here at Autoguide love it. This is a luxury SUV that you really can take off-road. It's capable and, as this list can attest, durable too. Number three, the Toyota Prius. The icon of the hybrid movement, the Prius continues to be one of the most reliable cars on the market. It's not hard to see why the Prius remains popular. Its unique design makes a statement, while the car itself offers a painless car ownership experience. Even the Prius can't fight the crossover onslaught unaided though, so Toyota gave it an all-wheel drive option for 2019. Number two, the Toyota Prius Prime. So it's settled then, a plug is better. Consumer Reports separates out the plug-in Prius Prime from the regular Prius, allowing the former to just edge out the latter. The Prius Prime comes equipped with an 8.8 kilowatt-hour lithium-ion battery, allowing it to travel up to 25 miles on nothing but electrons. Plus, owners can charge it at home with full juice coming in 5.5 hours from a conventional 120-volt outlet. Number one, the Mazda MX-5 Miata. Say it with us, Miata is always the answer. The best-selling two-seat convertible of all time has been going strong for 30 years now. In a welcome twist, the Japanese answer to classic British roadsters didn't just banish their notorious reliability to the bin, but has now taken the crown for Consumer Reports' most reliable rankings. How's that for having your cake and eating it too? The MX-5 got a bump in power last year, bringing its total pony count to 181 horsepower. It's enough to make you fall in love all over again. Well, at least that's what we said in our recent review. As Consumer Reports' most reliable 2020 model, now you have extra ammo to justify that sports car purchase. And there you have it, the most reliable cars of 2020. But before you watch another one of our videos, and definitely not watch a video from one of our competitors, be sure to like this video and subscribe to our channel. All right, so they even uh, use uh, uh, Consumer Reports as a viable source for their car information. So that should tell you that uh, you pick up a magazine. They're a nonprofit uh, organization, and they 
do everything from cars to mattresses to TVs, any product uh, that you would want to know about uh, to buy the best one. They test uh, washing machines, dryers, grills, all kinds of uh, products and give you their take on the best and worst in far, as far as price, uh, you know, reliability and things like that. So, um, you know, uh, it's, not, it's not a bad source for um, when you're shopping, especially for pricier things. All right, so some uh, more Consumer Report Ask the Expert uh, questions about cars. Here's one. I don't fill my gas tank until it falls below a quarter of a tank. Is that bad? Some drivers fill up often because they worry about debris and rust from the bottom of the fuel tank getting into the engine, which could cause sediment to be sucked into the fuel injectors. Though that was once a concern with steel fuel tanks, a vast majority of today's cars have plastic fuel tanks that don't rust or break down as quickly. Plus, the fuel pump pulls gas into the engine from the bottom of the tank, so if debris were a problem, it would surface long before the fuel level gets low. And though it's true that over time, gas left in your tank loses octane and creates residue, it won't be a problem if you use your car regularly and buy top-tier gas, which causes less buildup. Even so, don't habitually run on fumes, which can wear down your fuel pump. And even if you're a gas tank full, ha uh, half-full kind of driver, don't top off after the nozzle clicks off at the gas station. Doing so can damage your car's vapor recovery system. Besides, most cars give you a generous buffer of 40 to 50 miles at a moderate speed before you're truly out of gas. Now, here's a question that we should have um, posed in the autumn uh, season. Can falling leaves damage my car? So here's what Consumer Report experts had to say about that question. Those beautiful autumn leaves can cause problems for your car. In fact, it's best to avoid parking under trees, especially if you're not driving much. Leaves find their way into cars' nooks and crannies, getting caught under wipers and clogging air intakes and drain holes, such as those around the sunroof. Plus, wet leaves contain tree sap, which is acidic and can damage the finish on a car's paint. If you need to clear leaves from your car, do it carefully, picking them off with your hands or by using a leaf blower with light air pressure. Too much pressure can cause leaves to become lodged in hard-to-reach places. To unclog sunroof drains, you may be tempted to remove debris with a wire hanger, but that can tear the sunroof lining. Instead, use a vacuum to draw out the leaves. Pop the hood to clear leaves near the base of the windshield where the car heater intake system is. Then give your car a good rinse. For tree sap, dab spots with rubbing alcohol on a cloth or try a tree sap remover such as turtle wax, bug and tar remover. Uh, also, to be safe, test any store-bought cleaner on a small spot of paint first. Waxing your car once a season also helps protect the paint. If you can't avoid parking under trees, consider investing in a car cover. Better ones tend to cost at least $100 and are made of multi-layered material. Uh, cheaper single-layer covers risk trapping moisture and scratching your car. And don't forget that wet leaves can be just as slippery as ice, so increase your following distance on leaf-strewn roads. Wow, I didn't know there was so much involved when leaves fall in your car. But it makes sense, I guess, about the paint, but I didn't know that this, there was sap on the leaves that could actually damage the paint. So that's actually an interesting question. All right, one more question uh, regarding cars. And this question is, should I use a tire shine gloss when cleaning my wheels? So uh, Consumer Report Magazine's answer to this was... 
Over time, it's normal for tires to begin to dull in appearance. Tire shine products called tire dressing or protectant are meant to remedy this dullness and can achieve a soft satin look or a shiny wet appearance depending on the product. Car care companies may also claim that some shine products protect tires from harmful ultraviolet light and air pollution. While uh, Consumer Report magazine doesn't test those products, the clear consensus from tire manufacturers we asked, and uh, those manufacturers would be Bridgestone, Continental, and Michelin, was that you don't need any aftermarket products to preserve tires, which are already formulated to resist UV light and ozone. In fact, tires have protective weathering agents that might be adversely affected by using a gloss product. You won't get the high shine look of using a chemical, but cleaning with plain old soap and water is better for your tires in the long run all right so that'll do it for our questions and i just want to reiterate the scam that we talked about in the beginning of the show uh, about using car wraps uh people trying to supposedly hire people to uh advertise on their vehicle um so we just heard from more companies this is from the ftc that scammers are using their names to trick people into a car wrap scam. Uh, this time, scammers are saying they're Marlboro or Perel, but they're not really. The gist of the scam is this. Scammers send emails and posts to social media and job boards with messages like, Get paid to drive. They offer to pay you up to $700 a week if you'll drive around with your car or truck or bike wrapped to advertise a well-known product but they're not really affiliated with the brand. They just want your money. If you message them back, they'll send you a check to deposit into your bank account, and then they'll say to use some of that money to pay their decal agent to put the ads on your car or vehicle or bike or truck. (laughs) They'll tell you to pay by money order, Walmart money services or by making a cash deposit directly into the decal agent's bank accounts, always that are hard to cancel or get your money back. So, what's really going on? Well, the supposed decal agent is really the scammer, and that check you just deposited, that was a fake, which means the money you sent is coming out of your own pocket. So if you deposited a $1,500 check and sent $500 to the decal agent, the supposed decal agent, you're out $500 of your own money. And you don't get to keep that $1,000 either. Another thing an FTC analysis published earlier this year showed that fake check scams hit 20 and 30 year olds hard in the wallet. People reported a median loss in 2019 of $1,988. So if you spotted a scam like this, or you were a victim, one of those 20 or 30 year olds, uh, FTC wants to hear about it. So report it at reportfraud.ftc.gov. All right, so that is nearing the end of our show. I hope you enjoyed this information on the cars, the um, 2020 list of favorite cars, of Consumer Reports' favorite cars, and the ones that disappointed in 2020, and also the top 10 most reliable cars of 2020 by autoguide.com. And uh, they also cite Consumer Report magazines as a source. So um, hopefully that will make your choices a little easier when it comes to purchasing these cars. Okay, so this is the Consumer Review Report on WMCK.FM Internet Radio, a service of Tube City Online, Tube City Community Media Inc. Heard Sunday at 4 p.m. and Thursday at 9 a.m. Podcasts of these shows are available on wmck.fm slash CRR, iTunes, Google, iHeart, Spotify, and Spreaker. I'm Diane Rebecca wishing everyone a safe and 
good week.